forever. Dog. Every time I go to Zazzy's, it's a different positive experience. That's awesome. You I got know. the Zazzy's. You're living that Zazzy's life. I'm living all that Zazz. All that Zazz. I say you go to Zazzy's and do a 20 minute song. Bye bye pizza. <laughs> bye, and you eat the bye. pizza in front of you. you. Sing like bye bye pizza. I'm bye, going to eat you now. Yeah. And that's just like your final. That's like you do like a full dance routine, full thing. Everybody is there cheering you on as you eat the pizza. All the people from your life. I was going to say, go back to the word final, because in your mind, is this the end of? Um, no, oh, it's just the is, end of that pizza. I thought it's it was just, the end of all that jazz when he sings Bye Bye Love. And oh, no, that's what I mean. Dying. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean. But the pizza is the only thing going away. Oh, I thought you were in your, pitching that I do something like a Bye Bye Birdie, like a, a pizza themed Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, party. no, I was pitching that you do uh, all that zazz. That I and kill you myself. Bye Bye Pizza. <laughs> but the only but you don't. The only thing that is uh going away is not you it's just the pizza that the you pizza? put back yeah so shouldn't you go bye pizza bye see its life? pizza no you're singing to the pizza bye 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 pizza. bye pizza Chomp. bye bye yeah okay pizza right? pie bye bye plane hello slice. paper plate yeah. you are empty now yeah like that and you say exactly and you sing just to the pizza as you so I'm Ben Vereen and the pizza is Roy Scheider. So all the people in the audience are from the pizza's life. What does that mean? The flower bag? No, they're all from your life cheering you on as you eat the pizza. Who's dying here? Nobody's dying. They're just celebrating. Then you. what's the point? What do you have these days? Two slices? Oh, you don't want to know. It depends on if it's a snack or lunch, right? Depends. Depends on how much, um, how I'm feeling about myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's times I can rally and knock back an extra slice. What's the best you felt about yourself in this past year? Tell me the in slice in slice terms. Uh, having an entire pizza here and having one slice and then putting it away for the next Ooh, meal you're like, like having look one at me i'm the i'm the lord of the manor like one small slice oh i'm the dutch i'm the duke of uh birmingham i'm the duke of pizza pie yes i, I am the duke of pizza pie <laughs> it sounds like a, a frank zappa song like like duke of prunes you like Duke of you like that album, Tom. Which one? Absolutely free. You like absolutely. I like free. absolutely free as and uh, and freak out and then um, but then, then you go away. From- yeah, but then it was 1968, and what else did he? Yeah. Then there was maybe. Well, you're there. You're only in it for the money. I like that less, but I like the first two. Hot rats. Not so much. 
Colette is into Hot Rats. I got her into that album. That's great. So the two of you, uh, that's two for Hot Rats. Colette and I are into Hot Rats, and then mm-hmm. Colette and Brett are into wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Colette has has uh, re-energized my interest in wrestling, which was a big interest for me as a kid. Uh, I grew up in in the heart of uh, the WCW. Um, is that uh, what Georgia the- is? Georgia's very. Yeah, it, well, it started out as a Georgia-only league, and then Turner oh. Broadcasting kind of took it over and made it into a WWF competitor. Um, and they uh, all of the WCW wrestlers like lived kind of in the vicinity of me. I went to school with their kids, and like so, I lived in like Wrestler Central as a kid. You went to um, school with the wrestlers' kids? Yeah, like I went to school with Dusty Rhodes' uh, kids, um, and uh, you know the famous the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. So when uh, so when he when when that child uh, would maybe not do well on a test would there be a a thing about hard times how it's hard times right because that's dusty roads right yeah 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 julie have you ever seen that hard times no no i I don't know the the best part of wrestling for me is not the actual wrestling it's when these when these guys talk the the pre-match the the what do you call it brett S just, talk, just S interviews talk each other, and stuff. trash talk. Each yeah, other. Oh, just okay. the yeah the the backstage interviews yeah. and the kind of ring the ring sort of trash talk yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you get and the, the narrative. You get the personality. Yeah. But this Dusty Rhodes had a had one of the l- most legendary, dare I say, uh, m- moving and motivational uh, rants. The the word the words that cast fear into my heart brett has started screen sharing yeah that is exactly <laughs> yes those are the those are the words that strike fear into my heart when i and i haven't said hey brett can we but it just yeah. happens on the zoom suddenly you're just i think what am i about to I mean, see you, now you summon it it's like bloody mary i mean yeah. i don't i don't do it on my own i mean do you, you, you <laughs> i refuse to take responsibility it'll be a thursday night suddenly you're you're just Poke around on the internet, your computer just suddenly says, Brett has, start, has, Brett has started, started screen sharing. Here we go. Now, tell me Are you if about you about to don't, show me, Brett. What are you showing tell us, Tell me if you don't get Dusty chills Rhodes. when you watch Dusty Rhodes lay out some okay. truth. The American dream. Okay. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put... Hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years, they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. I, I can't understand a word he just said, but I do I do think it would be a good idea if Dusty Rhodes helped the Amazon workers form a union. Is yeah. he still around? Because I would love to see that happen. Brett, is Dusty Rhodes still around? No, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a no, and it is a no, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. to a real one, Dusty Rhodes. What about his kid that you went to school with? Can he? Well, he does have a. He his son did wrestle uh, uh, under the name Gold Dust. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin Rhodes, okay, Gold Dust. Uh, so Dustin Rhodes is still alive. 
and is a healthy six foot six. So maybe he can uh, step over there to Amazon and help them out. Is that one of you? Was he your classmate, Dustin Rhodes? No, he was like the oldest. So, so he was well graduated at this point. But I, I went to I went to school with with uh, Dusty's uh, younger, dirty. younger kids. Yeah. Dirty and dingy. That clip made me think of that <laughs> show with John Goodman as a as the the, the Eastbound and Down guys do the, the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, with him and I I call him Walter Goggins because I'm funny, mm-hmm. but his name is actually Walton Goggins. Mm-hmm. But it is hard times. So he see he's talking about the hard times, Julie. He's wrestling ain't hard times. Although although Ric Flair did put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family, Dustin. Dirty and dingy roads, <laughs> the whole family. And Brett went to school. With old dingy. country, old country roads as well. Mm-hmm. Brett went to school with old country roads. Um, now, when you guys were in school together, was it like my school where you had to invite everyone to your bar mitzvah? Um, it was. So yeah, no one it, felt excluded. Yeah, th- yeah. There was. I mean, no, no. It was no. I mean, I'm saying I always want to yes, Andrew, Julie, but I got to be honest here. It was not that Jeez. kind of school. It was. It was a. Um, no, it was it was like social, you know, you know, uh, kill or be killed kind of school. Like you had to like, you know, it was a very cutthroat social yeah, kind of environment. My, mine, yeah. mine was too. That that's how they you'd be invited, but then what table mm-hmm. you were at yeah. would be the thing. Where, oh, I know exactly what you think of me. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if uh, <clears throat> if if uh, seating at a bar mitzvah uh, was a, a okay. top concern. Whatever that you're Brad, about to minimalize or trivialize from my childhood trauma, no. I will have you know I'm just that saying. this is exactly I'm, like, well, think about how much a kid likes being mm-hmm. t- forced to invite someone to a party. Just sure. think about that. Oh, no, I'm and just think about sp- how that kid would act towards someone that they have no choice but to invite. And then multiply that 100%. by... I'm just saying, I think specifically bar mitzvahs were not a, a common occurrence where Brett was. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to go there, uh, yeah. but because uh, uh, it's not not a source of pride. But uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know I, how many bar mitzvahs Brett was uh, juggling on I, his social calendar. I know I was <laughs> I was gi- I was giving him the business about that. George, more like there's probably more uh, more bar rescues than bar mitzvahs. <laughs> yeah, bar bar rescues and uh, snake handling uh, Pentecostal uh, uh, ceremonies. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the girls would have a the girls would have a bot bot rescue. And did he pick his kid up from school? Did you see Dusty Rhodes ever? Pick I, I his saw kid him coming up? in for a parent teacher conference one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, did he wear those? Those everything he was wearing looked like a much lighter shade of what it usually comes in. Mm-hmm. Like those jeans were like three <laughs> shades lighter. The the vest and jacket combo was hair. Like it was like he. There should be a uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, Instagram filter where everything is just significantly oh, bleached somebody just bleached and flattened became a millionaire well i also want to announce i have an ntf uh coming out <laughs> it's uh once i figure out what an ntf is mine What's is an coming NTF? <clears throat> oh i can help you out with that tom it's a non-fungible trans what? token token what now, get Are... ready for this julie it's, okay. You're going to sound as old as I always sound when you're just like, hold on a minute. What is that now? None. No, to tell tell us what the, Brett teach us teach teach the people who are not uh not twenty three what short 
uh, yeah. you. Well, and I and I don't know if I have this exactly right, so please feel free to correct me uh, if if I'm wrong about this. But um, it's essentially you're you're kind of licensing. Well, actually, like, uh, it's not exactly. Um, <laughs> it, like the easiest way to say is imagine that you could like buy a meme, like you could buy the IP of a of a meme, like you could like own a you could own a it's like it's sort of it's like commercializing um, Internet uh, like memes and images and things like that. So they're now you're not able to sort of buy and own and and sell them. What? That's insane. You can't you can't control the distribution of a meme and make money off of it can you well people are selling them and there's some of them are being auctioned right some are being auctioned some are being sold mm-hmm. that's right so if i had like a thing that was like it was like me before coffee and it was like a <laughs> thing and it was like it was like a like an insect looking all vicious or something um then i put that meme together i put that that together and then I sell it, and then I'm a millionaire. Yeah, that's how fast I, it goes. I, I, in cryptocurrency. You know I'm not. I'm not interested anymore. I, I have so many follow up questions that I'm just gonna forget it. And then everybody's mad because it takes a lot of energy to to, to mine the blockchain. To- is that what it is? Yeah. So the NFT is is the is like the token that you use to represent that represents the asset, which is the meme. And then Mm -hmm. the NFTs are bought and sold on blockchain, which is like a online bank, I guess, sort of is an easy way of saying it maybe. Um, And that's how they verify and and validate like authenticity and ownership and things is through this blockchain. Logan Paul, my Pokemon passion turned into a $2 million addiction led me to NFTs. Great. Yeah. I, I don't follow it. And I don't like it. Logan Paul, he's what he spent two million dollars on what? Pokemon. I, earlier cards? this year, Paul created a Pokemon NFT featuring a hologram of himself. It spun <laughs> me into this weird world where I was able to combine three things that really are the holy trinity that fulfill me. He said, explaining that trinity as passion, business, and content creation. No. So one of his passions is passion. <laughs> Maybe he meant fashion, because as everyone okay. knows, it's it's a good thing to have a passion for fashion. It is a to good have thing a passion to have a passion for passion. Yeah, it's a problem. Yes, because it means you're having a stroke. You're just going, I have a passion for passion for passion for passion. And then you go clear. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, clear. <laughs> That's the next thing you hear. You talk about how the, you talk about your passion for passion. Someone, someone runs in with a defibrillator. Everybody get out of the way. I got to get a defibrillator. Yeah, me too. There's just days where I just, I'm sure that would just straighten me out. It's a really good way to get somebody to stop talking, change the subject. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get fibbed? (laughs) You you run in with those two. I'm going to fib you. Two irons on your your hands. You go, ah. And they go, whoa. Could have just. Mm-hmm. Ask me to stop talking. You go, could I? <laughs> now, how about this? Is there has there been a defibrillator could be the perfect thing for for this idea, which I don't think happened during the year of quarantine and Zoom stuff. If I was talking to say say we're having this conversation, but then I arranged 
for somebody to sneak into Brett's house with a defibrillator and go behind him <laughs> and zap him mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. Zoom. Mm-hmm. Wait, zap You have to zap him on the chest. You can't just do it on his back. No, you zap him on you the back. To... No, you can't zap. Then it's not a defibrillator. Then it's just an electrical shock. Okay, well, you, then, let's, good... then let's lose the defibrillator and just go to a taser. Or like no. set, <laughs> set it like... That's different. I don't so, think that's the... No. Or, okay, let's even remove any sort of thing that punishes people with an electric shock. I hire Thank somebody you. to go over and Brett's having this conversation with us and then... <laughs> We see in the background somebody sneaking behind him, and then they go, <laughs> and then like, how did that not? Ha- how did that not be a You're thing? T- like, like prank break-ins. But it would be arranged. Like I would contact Brett's uh, partner and say, like, I was gonna say, like, this seems like something that needs Amy clearance. You'd no, no, it. of course I would ask Amy and say, like, can we're gonna set this up? We're gonna get Brett good, like let this guy in the house you, you keep you keep talking but she's like fine and she walked away yeah but it's just the idea like then we'd have this perfect like zoom scare it's like it would be viral how did that not how did i not see any of that i think the defibrillator is still the way to go i mean okay. i think if we hire someone if we hire some or we hire two paramedics or we even, mm-hmm. I mean, this would be a terrible thing to do, but be like, Hey, my friend's having a heart attack, but he doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. I need you to break into his house and defibrillate him, even though he's going to seem like he's on a zoom mm-hmm. with his friends. So we're swatting people basically is what you're saying, <laughs> which was a, that was a fun time. What's swatting people it was when you'd say Sending like, a yeah, SWAT team in? yeah, you would call and go like, I'd go, I'd, call like the a 911 I go like, yeah there's a hostage situation I give Brett's address and then the cops show oh, up that's, yeah that's no oh it's no evil way, it's no. pure evil it's yeah but swatting but with paramedics is fun yeah maybe we need to circumvent the paramedics we'll just get two people this is what we'll do we'll buy a defibrillator we'll buy a defibrillator off eBay get and a couple defibrillators come with two right they come with two, two there is not only it's not just a one well, we'll yeah, they buy. come with two pets. Whatever yeah, we, it takes we, we to get, get two, we'll do. We'll get two. We'll get two. Because I was picturing someone sneaking up behind Brett and then putting their arms under his arms, like when you pretend oh, that your hands are okay. somebody else's. Which, by the way, I love. Mm-hmm. When someone puts their arms through someone else's armpits and is like, hello, I'm an idiot. Sure. Or whatever they do. And, yeah, yeah. and then there's the only thing more fun than that is when someone sits on someone else's legs and then they pretend that their legs are their own Mm -hmm. it's all it's all harmless fun but not in this case because the defibrillator person will sneak into brett's home put his arms underneath brett's arms Mm -hmm. thereby tickling him in the process and then the next thing you know he'll do the old like janet jackson where like reach up at his boobs but instead of doing Mm -hmm. that he'll give him the old yeah zappadoo the old zappadoo so what if (laughs) We could arrange that, and instead of actual EMTs, we would get some improvisers to just do it. Because we get we get some we get some UCBs. We get some UCBs with an instead of EMTs, we get UCBs, and they got the defibrillator, and then we're watching it, right? And then we see them sneaking behind Brett. This is funny. And then this is a funny idea. Then suddenly they 
but we're like, no, no, like they're doing it wrong. Like, right. So they, oh, they no. like press the, the, pa- the pads on the side of Brett's head. <laughs> and Brett's like, blah, 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 blah. and we're like, no, you're doing it wrong. You're going to kill him. And, and then, then Brett pulls then we out lock a gun. Off and it turns out that Brett is like, no, I record the zoom as backup. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, no. Then what if Brett pulls out a gun and shoots both of them? <laughs> and then we're we're just like we're like uh oh and we're like oh no and then you that see like well. then you see like Julie's camera's off but like I'm still on the zoom yeah but you see like my profile photo which is just my cat like <laughs> yeah yeah and then so you see you and I are having a conversation we're just like I think we're in trouble see this I think we're <laughs> yeah we're <laughs> like. Then we're like, I think we're in trouble. I think we're kind of behind why Brett shot those two guys. Kind what are of. We gonna do? And then I'm like, no, we're not, because no, I'm trying not. to get it on the yeah. record. No, we're not. Shut up. And then Brett, Brett's like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Brett's like, look, two guys just broke into my house and attacked me with some medical equipment. I don't know what that was. <laughs> they were like, neither do we. I mowed them down. And we're just like, good job. Yeah, great. That's, that what, that's great, what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah, that was great, Brett. <laughs> Let's, yeah. I think we should not call the cops. Yeah, Brett, you should Tom, probably do you agree that we shouldn't call the cops? Brett, I'll come by and help you clean the place up. We'll just push the bodies of those EMTs down a hill somewhere. Let the coyotes <laughs> do their do their business. And Brett, and meanwhile, Brett's like, wait, I think <laughs> I saw this. E- Brett's like, I think I saw this one guy on the Goldbergs. On the middle. <laughs> like, he's looking at the EMT guy. He's like, I think this guy played, I think this guy played a janitor on the Goldbergs. <laughs> We're like, no, he didn't. Just uh, no, roll look, him down just, the hill. Look, just chop his head and hands off, Brett. <laughs> And Brett's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I got to call the cops. Look, Brett, we got to just get these <laughs> fingerprints off. head and hands off. We just got to get the fingerprints off. You're these not going to know if he's on the middle from his dental records. So yeah. let's just get rid of that variable. We could talk about it on the way home. Yeah. Hey, we, we can go to Dairy Queen on the way home. You like yeah. Dairy Queen, don't you? Brett goes, oh, and we run. Yeah. We just like, we just <laughs> run away and then leave Brett in a Foster's Freeze parking lot. <laughs> it's like that movie Alpha Dog. What's that movie? I've never heard of that movie. It was the movie where Alf became a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see because he was, thought he'd have more access to cats that way. He, yeah, exactly. It was Alf woof, a dog. Woof woof. woof. Hey Willie, I'm a dog now. I'm gonna. <laughs> I can't do Alf. It's the first you thing can. that goes. It's the first thing that goes. Alf? My Alf, Alf went. Yeah. Because I want it to be Alf. I want to do the voice of Alf and have Chris Gethard play um, Willie. Yeah. I think that is truly, all kidding aside, That's a good idea. the proper combination. I, I Come on, man. Just, You'd be like, yeah, like instead of like, Alf, like, I want uh, over. You get like Chris Gethard. Buddy, be like, come on. Yeah. Because Alf, uh, <laughs> the thing is, Alf, you got to. You're just not being cool, Alf. You're really driving me And then nuts. he'd get mad and be like, Alf, you're driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest, man. 
Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, Willie, what's going on? Alf, I got to just tell you, you're really, you're really just killing me with this. You're just driving me nuts. I mean, I'm trying to have a normal house here. Like, hey, I'm sorry. I just like Alf. By the way, his version of a normal, yeah. This version of a normal house is like a human fish. Like he basically is surrounded with elves in his show anyway. That is true. Chris is a willy in terms of his, uh, who he attracts. He attracts elves. He solicits elves. I don't think he just, I don't think he's a passive. What was Willie's role in elf coming to live with them? Was he a complete victim or did he consent to like at least acquiring a pet? What was the I cannot what remember happens the, origins. In the pilot for Alf? What happens in the pilot? I think that's what it comes down to. That is an amazing question. I've always just assumed Alf was that they wrap it up, that they took care of it in like the the explanation of the show and just Alf or the is opening there. Song or something. That is an amazing presumption to just be kind of like Hey, an alien lives in this house. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like that, that, like that does not need to be explained over and over how this is happening. Because no, no one cares. No, they don't. Re- read this to me. I can't read a word of it, Brett. I'm an ancient, I'm as old as the hills that we're going to make you poor, uh, push poor Brian Husky down when we, when we no, hire him Husky, to, no. to fake oh, defibrillate no. you. Oh no. oh, no, this guy was on Veep. And then I go, what's that over there? That's going to be hard for me. And then Tom me. cuts off your head and hands. Yeah. <laughs> Brett's like, Brett's suddenly like, I got some hydrochloric acid. And the thing is like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, he's like way too quick to dispose of the body. And he has all the tools. <laughs> quickly like brett's like i have a couple tarps and some rope and some lime and some like, hydrochloric acid cu- in my <laughs> shed like, i'm still curious about the gun i didn't even know you yeah, had a gun i didn't know you had a gun it's just like and like he was like a then we find out it's like the nobody and then we and then we say i didn't know you had a gun if i had i wouldn't have hired those and then we stop talking and brett looks at us and you and i look at each other yeah and then well, I guess you kill me because I because I talked. Well, no, I mean Brett would immediately be like, Brett just gets in his Camaro and drives cross country. He's so coming you think, for you. You think that Brett is um, Jesse in this uh, Breaking Bad scenario, yeah, and we're and we're Mister White. Do you think that Brett. we're Mister White and Brett is Jesse? Brett's kind of like a a, a Tuco Fring uh, hybrid. Yeah, I appreciate that. How is, is I can't anybody- wait for <laughs> I can't wait for the season finale of um, Better Call Saul when they are like, "Hey, Mike, you better go get some plastic surgery because yeah, and look, you might need to look eleven years younger." <laughs> and listen, listen, I'm not attractive enough to say, "Oh, you know, I." look so great like i you know don't look worse than i did Mm -hmm. five years ago ten years ago whatever it is but when you're filming a prequel for something it's just you're you're painted into a corner if you have a natural aging process as a character actor and again i'm i'm applying this to myself that said i feel Mm -hmm. like the the season finale of better call saul as a prequel they gotta be like mike it's makeover time (laughs) well think think about this julie you have saul whose name is what jimmy on it 
Jimmy McGill. And so, so I'm just going to call him Saul for the sake of this. Saul starts off looking older than he ever looked at the, at the earliest point in the story. If we're just thinking about it chronologically, then (laughs) Saul got in shape and certainly looked Oh, you mean Inc- for nobody? Insane. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly Saul was jacked, but then got kind of older looking again, but never looked as old as he did at the very beginning of Better Call Saul t- of the, his story. Yeah. I'm not keeping track. I just like watching Bob Odenkirk do his thing. But it's the, it's the funniest thing that Odenkirk ages in mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. Mm hmm. But then and then starts Better Call Saul, which is years before Breaking Bad started, before he right. started on Breaking Bad. So was older than he was when he ended Breaking Bad and then got jacked during Better Call Saul. So his look has changed multiple so times. At the end, so at the end, Mike goes to get some plastic surgery and a makeover and Saul goes to what? A, I think he takes Saul to uh, a McDonald's. He breaks both of his legs and he kind of, he breaks both of his legs in a McDonald's. So he has to recover, he has to recover there. And, like, and they're like, bed some, rest only. Eat some of this food from this McDonald's and look, look worse. I'm the one. I'm the one who. <laughs> who rocks. I'm the one who rocks. And then they pull like the, the, the lights end, go up. Created by Vince Gilligan. And it's um and it's just the Johnny breaking B. bad Good. band. And it's it's Walter White doing breaking bad. I <laughs> uh, doing doing Johnny B. Good. Johnny Johnny B. Bad. I'm gonna cook up some meth in a dry cleaner basement. Right. Go Walter be bad. Right. Walter be bad. Walter be bad. And it's just the band. It's it's all of them running with Tuco on drums. Tuco's on drums. Once I woke up and I turned 50 years old, my wife gave me some stupid vegetarian sausage. So I decided to, I was also, I also had cancer. And I got anyway, I went down on a crazy path. Oh, bad. Walter be bad. Walter bad, bad. And B bad is breaking bad. Like B, the B in bad stands for in stands for breaking. So wait, this is maybe how did how did we miss this? Wait, hold on. You're pitching a song. I'm pitching. <laughs> I'm pitching. I'm the one who, who rocks. rocks, and then suddenly the lights go up. No, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And, and then, then he does the solo, and he goes. He taught. He tells the story of this series, mm-hmm. and he's he's Walter B. Bad. He's Walter B. Bad, telling his own story, and the band is all the characters from Breaking Bad, or in the band. Tuco's on drums, and his drum set also has like a tortoise shell with Danny Trejo's head on it that he can like hit. <laughs> um. I think uh, Todd is on the saxophone wearing. Yeah, Todd uh, on saxophone wearing like cool Bill Clinton shades, like when <laughs> Bill Clinton played. How did that win over people, by the way? How are people not know. just like, hey, you know who we should keep away from the White House at all costs? 
the guy I just saw playing sax, uh, playing Heart mediocre saxophone. Uh, yeah. All these. And it's like he had all these scandals. He had all these scandals with the Jennifer Flowers, all this stuff. And he goes on and plays Heartbreak Hotel. Like, what's that? Like, just these ancient symbols of what was cool, but like the people who drew Archie comics thought they were cool. Ray Bans, yeah. mm-hmm. saxophone, Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah. Please, I want to be the next president of the United States. And just to circle back real quick, it says here in the pilot episode of ALF, Gordon Shumway, a.k.a. ALF uh, for Alien Life Form, Gordon Shumway, ALF's real name, escapes his planet before it was destroyed and crash lands into the garage of the Tanner family who decides to keep his presence a secret so that the U.S. government will not take him away and subject him to experiments. That's the pilot episode of ALF. I'm still thinking about the different verses of Walter B. Bad because I think each verse can be a season. Well, uh, speaking of the one who rocks, so uh, we got right. we got he's uh, trying to get us. To we go. got a couple of rock and rolling guests Brett, that just joined we, the waiting room. Well, let me just say, how hard do you think if we reach out to Vince Gilligan? When we reach out, to when Vince we do, Gilligan, and yes, do you think there's any chance? Yes, we can assemble a Walter B. Bad concert thing for the final episode of better call Saul. we'll have to do it i think we we have to do it ourselves i think we you think we have to do it ourselves i do i think we need to call john daly because i think that he's the only one who could do that john, well he plays vocal. sax also just picture that, him playing. i know i know <clears throat> well this I is think we need to solicit verses from the audience that's what i think i think people need to summarize the plot of Breaking Bad in the verses of Walter B. Bad. Well, how about this is a this is a double threat project now where yes. we will build to get a, we'll, we will we'll see a, if John Daly will record Walter B. Yes. Bad. Yes. And shoot and a we'll, video. And we'll get like a proper, you know, we'll get like real musicians so he doesn't have to just do it in garage band. Yeah. Himself. Well, you can send those lyric submissions to doublethreadpod at gmail.com. Uh, this is the next great double threat project. Walter B. Bad. Send in your lyric submissions. <laughs> and when we come back from the break, uh, this is very exciting. We are going to be joined by two legendary guests yeah. from New York's legendary downtown scene. We've got actress, rock star, cat mom, and Magnuson, who you've seen in Cabin Boy and The Hunger, Making Mr. Right, Desperately Seeking Susan. She was a founding member of the band Bongwater, an all-around icon, and Magnuson, and... We've got drag legend, the creator of Wigstock, Lady Bunny and Magnuson and Lady Bunny are going to be here uh, and they're going to join us for the second annual New York City Fantasy Draft. You'll remember we did this last year with Days of Samaro. Uh, check out that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, and this time for the second annual New York City Fantasy Draft, we're going underground. That's right. It's the New York City Fantasy Draft Underground Edition with Ann Magnuson, Lady Bunny when we get back. We are so excited to welcome two of not only the coolest guests ever, but the coolest people of all time, Ann Magnuson and Lady Bunny to the show. Woo! Hi, everybody. Oh my God. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I am starstruck. I'm uh, bewitched. <laughs> be bo- Is it just bothered or be bothered? 
I'm bedazzled. all three. You're bedazzled. I'm, defi- I'm definitely bedazzled. You are always bedazzled. <laughs> and um, and Anne, you are in California. And Bunny, are you in New York? Yep, still in New York City in the village. And you guys have known each other for... Oh. You you knew each other back in the village. Is that is that true? Probably oh, yeah. 30, when you lived here? 35 years, 40 years, maybe? It probably... Mm-hmm. Get close to somewhere in between that, I think. Did we meet at the pyramid or did? Probably because you were, I guess, more associated with Club 57 and I was more associated with you'd moved on up by the time the pyramid was going. But you were still a pyramid person and the pyramid yes. just closed. The pyramid just shut. I, yes, I was going to say rest in power, rest in pyramid. Yeah, I know. But- that was a wonderful place. Club 57, I think, was on the way out when when pyramid started and Custodes. Nakas always told me Bobby Bradley had said he wanted the pyramid to be a combination of Club 57 and the anvil. It was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it had not been a gay spot since the mid 90s, but they still did like 80s dance revivals there that were, from what I hear, quite popular. But it had been open since 1979 and John Sex. Uh, Tom Rubinitz, a director of things like Pickle Surprise and Ann Magnuson's, uh, you know, genius videos uh, was from there. Made, uh, made for TV. Yes. RuPaul came up from that scene. Delight, the band. Wendy Wilde and Kastudis Nakas uh, did a famous, I think it was a famous, produ- infamous production of Titus Andronicus, the Shakespeare play in installments every week was another act. So there were five acts, right? And uh, it was a very bloody, gory, exciting. That's the nasty play. That's the one he wrote that was nasty, right? There was poop and, and all kinds of gore. Someone gets their tongue ripped out. Oh, everybody dies. We all ended up on stage in a pile of bodies, bloody bodies. <laughs> the audience loved it. I thought this is what it must have been like at the Globe Theater at the Elizabethan era mm-hmm. because there was so much audience participation, but yet people were wrapped when there was the quiet poetic moments. And it was a really magical time and a place. The pyramid, I think, gave people absolute freedom, complete, utter freedom. It was a pleasure to perform there. It was all just a joy. Bunny, do you remember a night where you saw Anne perform? And Anne, do you remember a night where you saw Bunny perform that was particularly uh, uh, that, that you'd like to share because it was memorable or hilarious? Or I'm not sure that I saw Anne perform at the Pyramid, um, but uh, she did bong water at Wigstock. So I got to see that. Love that. Yeah. And um, yeah, the Pyramid did have theater as well as being a nightclub. Ethel Eichelberger, who was a, a very dramatic queen who wrote her own plays, musicals, um, and, which would get reviewed by the New York Times. And then every weekend she would be dancing on the bar with the rest of us girls for, you know, 50 bucks. So it really gave us a, 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 a feeling of what drag can do when it's not just lip syncing, when it's, you Mm -hmm. know, impersonating more offbeat uh, divas than Whitney Houston and Tina Turner. And and so the Pyramid Queens might lip... impersonate Ema Sumac or uh, Janis Joplin. Baby Gregor did a wonderful character called Jelly Joplin, looked and sounded exactly like Janis. And uh, and Lipsinka also did her first musicals as um, plays at the Pyramid. And Lipsinka was overlap between 
Club 57 and Pyramid Club. And then legitimate theater because Lipsinka went on to have an incredibly successful off-Broadway run of her show. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to interject that I think Pyramid also uh, took drag to a level of, of dare I say, shamanic uh, proportions, kind of in the way the Cockettes had, had broken the ground in San Francisco. It, it wasn't just impersonating or lip syncing. There were all these new creations and hybrids and uh, archetypal uh, almost mythological creatures, you know, like the, like the Griffin who is half Eagle, half, half, um, lion, but these, uh, John Kelly created a lot of incredible performance art and he had a, a, a character named Dagmar Onassis, who was the illegitimate daughter of Maria Callas and Aristotle Onassis. And Tom Rubinitz did a video of uh, a lot of the uh, pyramid people doing a spoof on Family Feud. And, and then there was just a whole lot of original pieces that had nothing to do with lip syncing or not popular culture to some degree, but I think it transcended mu- much of what happened prior, you know, with drag. So it became this whole other this whole other vibe that I think influenced culture worldwide eventually. And John Kelly would uh, bill himself occasionally as John Kelly, as Dagmar Onassis, as Joni Mitchell, and do a spot on hilarious uh, impersonation of Joni Mitchell, which was Wigstock's traditional closer each year. And I remember, to go back to your original question, Julia, I remember, I I can't pick out a specific about seeing Bunny on stage. I just remember that I was in awe of how perfect the styling was. Bunny took the 60s vibe, the Dusty Springfield hair, the makeup, the clothing, the shoes. It all had a, uh, it was reminiscent of laughing but it, it was always dazzling. And Bunny and a couple of other of the queens, I remember thinking, well, you, us real women should just pack it up because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to put this much work into it. I'm just not going to. And they're, they're more gorgeous and glamorous and taking it to this other level that is so beyond. Plus they're so, uh, they've got the better bodies for the fashion, you know, the, not anymore, Anne. No. <laughs> well, I think we all favor caftans now. So, hello. You always you always rocked a caftan really well. That's true. I still do, <laughs> out of necessity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who has more wigs, by the way? How many wigs are in your home at this moment, Anne? How many wigs are, are in your home? I'm in Joshua moment? Tree, so uh, right now there are no wigs here. There might be some. But are there are there cats? There's one cat. Yeah. Our cat, Lucy, we brought her out here. She, um, she is under she's a- strict supervision when she's outside. We're hovering over her like a toddler. Mm-hmm. But she's a uh, ginger, if you lie down, she can look like a wig. That's true. She sleeps on my head. So she, she qualifies as a wig. Mm-hmm. I, I probably have several hundred back in LA, but 
they're in storage. W- wigs or wigs or cats or wigs. Both. God, <laughs> hasn't gotten that bad yet. But uh, I I do hold out hope in the future that uh, I'll end up with a hundred cats back in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw! Well, there's one cat you might. Uh, our our friend Brett here uh has uh how many cats do you have brett uh, i have um well i thought i had two cats uh but we oh, recently had we a go. cat expert jackson galaxy on the show and he informed me i actually have three cats because i have aussie cats which which count as a cat and a half and so um okay he's so, been telling everybody this and i and i'm sorry if you're confused because it's confusing but brett is very excited that his that this cat expert has told him that his cats are more of a handful so forgive us. Continue, Brett. That's yeah, so why I, I thought this was going to be a show about oh, cats. We talked about cats. Just, we can talk about all cats. the bases. There's one right now. So yeah, Brett is a uh, uh, Brett. You're looking to transition one of your cats from uh, an indoor cat. To an, to an outdoor, outdoor cat. cat. Yeah, oh. yeah. So we, we've got a bit of a crisis over here at the moment that we're working through. One of my cats is just desperate. One is very much a homebody, loves being inside. The other one is desperate to get outside and roam around. Um, and uh, we recently moved to a place where that is feasible. Uh, and so we are uh, working on moving her into an outdoor cat. I am, I'm excited for her. I am also in, in terrified about doing this. Um, so we're kind of going step by step and seeing Are you going to, have you put a harness on her? Can she be on a harness? Yeah, I've I've supervised her outside in a harness, and then I've moved to like out without a harness, but still supervised. And now the final step is the most terrifying, which is you just yeah put a GPS collar on and just uh, and send oh, her out, I'm, and then we'll see I what happens. I want to get one of those for our cat, but they're kind of heavy, aren't they? The, the they are a little bit. Yeah, she yeah, would yeah. hate that. She was kind of feral anyway, so I rescued her. And she was a mess. She's on Prozac, a very low dose of Prozac. Join the club, <laughs> Lucy. Join the club, Lucy. I hear you. Um, before we start the final draft, I did want to ask if you could play the ad that you recorded last week, Brett, for Kitty Litter. Oh, sure. So, Anne, Bunny, we do ads on this show, and... Brett has ni- is nice enough to record them. Um, he did an ad for kitty litter last week during the earthquake. Oh, so, oh wow. I got to put my glasses on for this. Uh-huh. So I, uh, if, if, if you can hear him reacting to the earthquake, yeah, but, it's going to um, be audio just, only. Uh, oh, but, okay. uh, yeah, but ha- halfway through, uh, yeah, ha- you'll see, but halfway through the ad, the earthquake happened. And uh, took me a little off guard. I'll say that. But I will say, I'll put this out there, and I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor. It's a fine product. It's a fine product. All yeah, right. Pre-litter is great. It's a great. It's a fine product. So, I'll uh, try. Here we go. Sometimes my wife and I will be sitting uh, at night watching television, and then uh, the 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 smell wafts in from the other room where the litter box is. Uh, and dear listener, uh, if you are a cat owner, you know that smell. It is the smell of Hades itself. Uh, the smell <laughs> of death. And decay, uh, and and there was just just had an earthquake in Los Angeles as I'm say, as I'm reading this, uh, either an earthquake or the thunderous shits uh, that my cats take in the litter box. It was one of the other, one of the other just shook mm-hmm. the floorboards of my apartment. Uh, but as you know, I'm uh, just going to carry carry on with this, with this copy. Uh, everything from cleaning to covering up the smell is a constant battle. And then it just goes so, from there. Yeah. I. How impressive was that rebound? I love it. You'd think you'd think that the Excellent. that it that it was like 
cost money to have to do a second take with this guy <laughs> for the way he just kept rolling forward. Like, we're going forward. Nothing stops. An earthquake doesn't stop me from talking about kitty litter. You could take another, do another clean take, Brett. Yeah, yeah but everybody's looking it. for a way to make their ads more distinctive. I think you should add go. more of a rumble and a few screams. I think that, I mean, yeah. if I, if, if, I mean, if you could time it that way to hit natural disasters as your co-star in the ad, talk about, you know. That's it, Lady Bunny. As soon as that happened, I was like, ooh, this is going viral. I'm going to roll with this. <laughs> roll I mean, it's not with boring. This. <laughs> it's too bad you just didn't hear. Yeah, like that you didn't hear like a or and people screaming in horror. But you just are so courageous that you keep nothing will stop you from keeping from talking about kitty litter. But you, Pretty you can kitty. add those. You can add those. That's true. That's true. How like did your, cat, how did your cat react to the earthquake? Oh, you know, this is now they're like, let's see, they've had about four or five at this point, I think, sort of, sort of a tangible earthquakes that they've, they've lived through. So they're, they're, they're old pros at this point. They didn't, I don't even think they, you they didn't get, they or, didn't warn you beforehand. You know, that's a, No, they didn't. They didn't. Now, now, that's what I'm looking for now is they've, they should have a sixth sense for it now that they've lived through it a couple of times, but no, they didn't, they didn't give me a heads up. It caught me very off guard. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're fine with it. They don't even notice at this point. Now, Brett, how would you feel this outdoor cat of yours, or soon to be outdoor cat, goes outside and then just moves in with Anne <laughs> as soon as your cat hears that Anne is looking for more cats, decides to upgrade? And then you just say, How would you, well, what would that, would you be happy for your cat ultimately? It's like, I get it. I, it hurts, it hurts my heart, but I understand. Is that how you would feel? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very into cat agency. You know, I want them to be happy, want them to want them to do what they want to do. Uh, so, yeah, as long as they don't get eaten by coyotes out there, I am I am I am more than happy for them to, uh, you know, find a new situation for themselves. If that it'll be very painful. But, mm -hmm. you know, if they want to live with Anne, you know, what am I going to say? I'm you know, gonna... though, my cat Lucy probably won't have it. But um, I'll tell you, once you start putting your cat outside, She'll she or he will start using the dirt out there instead of so you won't have the litter smells as much. I, however, will always use pretty litter no matter what, not just because they're a sponsor, but because I live mm -hmm. in an apartment. Uh, maybe Jimmy Jazz will come out a little later. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but and this cat expert we had a couple weeks ago kept telling me to get more cats. <laughs> and I'm telling you, yeah. Aunt, I think that's a recipe for disaster. No. Because I've seen my cat around other cats, and he's going to kill those cats. Yeah, Lucy, our vet said that our cat would not. She's a very alpha female, and she's been traumatized. So said only if it yeah. was a a male kitten that she could dominate, right. and then it would dominate yes. her later, or some kind of really, really uh, comatose masochistic dog of which. They so I had a comatose. <laughs> First of all, I'm upset. Your vet sounds fantastic. Your vet sounds <laughs> he predictive. He's he actually, sounds a little bit he's, he's kink kind of, positive. He sounds like a kink positive guy. He's kind of dreamy, too. And uh, he's the he's uh, the subject of an Amy Mann video about taking her her dog to the, the vet. So you can look oh, that that's up. So cool. Um, I uh, I feel like we're doing a lot of uh, name dropping, and I feel like this is a good way to transition yes. into the 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 game right yeah shall I, we that makes sense. shall we begin okay the pump has been primed 
Yeah, I can't really tell you about my pants. They're just mice and roaches and they <laughs> much fuss. No veterinarian needed. Um, oh. They pretty much feed themselves. <laughs> uh, I have quite a few now. I have some mites in my makeup brushes, Bunny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I oh, might God. have some too. Did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just warming uh, up. That's <laughs> so, Brad, shall we? Uh, yeah, shall here we, we begin? go. Welcome, everybody, to the second annual Double Threat New York City Fantasy Draft Underground Edition. We have some fantastic guests with us today, and Magnuson and Lady Bunny, who'll be joining Tom and Julie to draft their ultimate New York City underground teams, uh, picking from the the all-stars of the downtown scene throughout the decades. Uh, And without further ado, let's get started. Uh, So round one, we're going to start off with Julie Klausner. Julie Klausner, round one, pick one, the first pick of the draft. Who do you have? I am going to start off the draft by seizing. I'm going to take Andre Serrano off the board. So Andre Serrano is an artist who I think is best known for the piece Piss Christ. Yes. Which was under attack by the National Endowment for the Arts in the late 80s as being offensive. And it's beautiful. It is a beautiful golden color. Uh, 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 I, you know, he's not my lord and savior, but I know he's a celebrity. Yet. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> I think he is. Uh, I, I always like it when a celebrity gets top billing. And I think Andre Serrano is a talent. And I think he's very brave to have faced off with one of the most loathsome people in history. Jesse Helms. May he rot. Uh, wherever he is in this moment. So I'm going to start by drafting Andre Serrano to my fantasy team. He was also very sexy. Oh, yeah, he was hot as hell. I think he's still around and he still looks fucking good. Address? (laughs) (laughs) Address. Uh Address is sir to you. (laughs) A strong pick. First pick of the draft, Andre Serrano. Uh... Let's go on to uh, next pick, uh, Tom. Uh, Tom, do you have who do you have with your first pick in the um, draft? I'm just going to need to pick somebody who is a, f- a, f- a founding uh, uh, architect of a lot of things, and uh, I just will take uh, Lou Reed off the board as my first. He's your pick. guy. He's kind of my guy. Strong and, pick. Strong pick. And he's crabby and then he moves to new jersey and then he's still crabby and then he stays crabby and then but i gotta stick with the crab so (laughs) i'll take the crab lou reed off the board and did you know lou reed no i i met him um i met him actually when i was in college because his uh Doug Yule was his one of his uh, musicians, and I went to school with Maggie Yule. And when Lou was in town in Columbus, we were in Denison University, about an hour outside of Columbus. We went there to see the see them perform, and then went backstage. And it was this bleak wooden backstage room with it. My memory is that there was a bare light bulb. 
nothing in this uh-huh. room. Lou Reed there counting cash and with a giant bottle of Jack Daniels on the on the table. Any kind of Maggie, Maggie's uh, brother introduced us and he just sort of, uh, but he scared me. He's always scared mm-hmm. me. Always scared me. Him and Lori Anderson were supposed to come to one of my, to a Halloween show in Joe's pub. And they actually were going to delay the, they asked me to delay the show because they had called or something. They were stuck in traffic. And I was so terrified <laughs> to perform in front of those two, particularly him, not her. She's, she's really sweet. And you held the curtain and you held the curtain. We held the, held curtain, the curtain, but then it you just, held curtain. But they never came, which I didn't know what? till after the show. But it was such oh, a relief because no. I, <laughs> I kept sort of looking out there because I knew he would, no matter how good it was, he'd hate it. <laughs> I'm sure he'd hate. <laughs> you were waiting for Guffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was waiting for Crab Man. Uh, I love his. I mean, you know, I love his his music. So mm-hmm. I saw him once at the gym. Don't laugh. Chelsea Piers and um, I, they had one of these glassed in rooms and Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson were attempting to learn step aerobics. <laughs> and so, I mean, I was with Miss Guy, who was like the rock DJ from Squeezebox. Remember the Toilet Boys, Miss Guy and the Toilet Boys, a makeup artist for Debbie Harry, you know, rock royalty, New York City. And uh, so we were, she pointed out who they were. And, you know, we were snickering until the next week when we got in there and saw how feeble we were trying to do it. Because it <laughs> doesn't exactly, the step aerobics, it's not, <laughs> you have to have a little choreography. Anyway, oh my god, amazing! Please, please never let anyone see me do anything that I try like that. Oh, I know. I just, I mean, we we, the the instructor came up to me, uh, and because I wasn't getting any of the steps right, and he was very hilarious, big, muscly guy, but very, very queenie. He said, "Are you finished with your solo?" <laughs> that is so New York. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on that note, let's go to uh, uh, Lady Bunny with your first pick. Lady Bunny, who do you have with your first pick? Yeah, I'm going to pick Sister Dimension, aka Alan Mace, who ran the pyramid for many years, the boyfriend uh, of. Uh, Bobby Bradley, who was another of the original people. And they had a coup when I arrived there because Bobby had really gone off the deep end with heroin. And so uh, Brian Butterick, a.k.a. Hattie Hathaway, and Alan Mace, a.k.a. Sister Dimension, took control of the club. And so for my first year or two, Bobby was this, you know, dark former figure and there were different uh factions and some of that was related to heroin although i was those who used and those who did not so i wasn't privy to all that because believe it or not i was a twink i was i was young and i didn't know about the big city drugs at that point just booze and weed so sister dimension um as a dj uh, really, uh, I mean, the Pyramid was a rock club. It was um, a lot of, I mean, bands from Guar to Red Hot Chili Peppers to Nina Hagen to the trans punk icon Jane County. Uh, more alternative bands like ESG would play there. And, uh, but Sister Dimension was a disco DJ. And, I, and she really 
like taught me how to DJ in terms of song selection because I didn't realize this until you know she had left the 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 DJing thing. Sister actually played the music of the legendary Paradise Garage woven in with the uh, you know more pop or things that other DJs were playing. So we really benefited from her knowledge and she always kept the party jumping. There was a gay night called Whispers that um, she was DJing at with Happy Face and Taboo, myself, Dean Johnson, any of those would be found. And Sister was also, she she had really insane characters. Like she was an, a club kid icon because her looks was so elaborate, like three heads floating around covered with silver glitter, you know, with buck teeth, calling herself Grandpa Hoof Pinpoyers. <laughs> she was in Tom Rubin. It's a director who directed Anne and myself. And uh, I, I was in uh, Pickle Surprise and Sister starred in that as well as this otherworldly creature. And one of Sister's character was so nuts, it, she would just call herself Jane and do just kind of like street drag, like nothing special. And, and the, the character was just bombed, bombed and weepy and pitiful and would just fall right down on the ground. This is the manager of the club would just fall right down on the ground and grab your ankle. And of course, patrons and security would try to uh, help her up. And she was like, no, no, I can't. I mean, this was the manager. So this gives you an, an indication of what not, not I mean there was acid going around this was insane when there was a a, a a hit song called call me Mr. Telephone we did an early parody called call me Mr. Unicorn which climaxed with us having actual like uh, gourmet pastry bags filled with chocolate pudding that we worded imaginary <laughs> on the audience. I mean, it was really insane back then. And sister was, she set the tone. Oh, that's fantastic. Amazing. Isn't it? Now, when you, when you, you mentioned ESG and it's, isn't it fantastic and kind of ex to see how, uh, an unassuming band like that has impacted so much of music 40 years later, the influence of just this kind of band that nobody was thought was, uh, the, was, it was some, uh, big deal that they became a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was a family like fronted by their mom and mm -hmm. uh black family, uh, kind of between funk disco and uh rock so it did appeal it wasn't so you know dancey that it did not appeal to the rock fans it, and it was minimal and it was very raw actually mm -hmm. I, you would not believe the looks on all of our faces because uh, when i ran into them in san francisco playing at gay pride maybe five years ago and only i think maybe only the mom or or one of the uh, daughters remembered because they've changed up as the years have gone by. And mm -hmm. but that look on our faces after we'd been, you know, hanging out at the pyramid and then see each other on this big stage decades later was was too much. But yeah, they're they're I mean, I mean the, the pyramid people knew music. Brian Butterick, one thing that that 
uh, who booked many of the bands. One thing that always he did, Brian didn't love the disco so much. So even on the disco night, whispers, Brian would try to fuck things up and throw a monkey wrench in, and he would often book stuff like, I mean, maybe not Guar, but um, but he would book stuff like, uh, what is her name? A uh, Katie? No, it, there was a country singer, rockabilly. Um, and she had her own band. And they, hey, they Bonnie, like, was that was the country singer Christy Rose? Yes. <laughs> and I just looked her up on Facebook. She's in Nashville. I mean, she was like she had the whole country gear and gingham and the big, you know, uh, brunette hair. She was she yeah. was like uh, just dynamite. Oh, she's fantastic. She um she was good friends with Katie K. Yes, who now makes costumes in Nashville. Yeah. All right, Anne, you're up. It's time for your pick. Okay, so well, I've got uh, I. So you mean dead people are okay? Dead, alive, whatever works. Well, I think I have to, to go with that. I, my list is alive. Uh, we have to go with Joey Arias. Got to have Joey Arias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey's somebody who started off in the Groundlings in L.A. Uh, worked at Fiorucci. Was uh, best friends with Klaus Nomi. Also. Well, Klaus Berber, who became Klaus Nomi. Joey is the most fun, outrageous, inventive performer and just a wonderful person to be around. He always brightens up a room. He makes you happy to be alive. I think Joey's a must, and he's been a staple there in in New York and the East Village and the whole scene, uh, doing all kinds of performances in drag out of drag uh performing on saturday night live with klaus nomi with david bowie i think that was 79 that was a huge groundbreaking moment and joey and i did a lot of performances together we did um andy warhol and edie sedgwick called the andy i saw that the andy and edie show which was like a version of sunny and Cher, but with andy and edie (laughs) And we then we just created all these different characters and would book whatever club would would have us and pay us and have these shows and laugh our asses off. So Joey will make you laugh your ass off. So he should be part of any team. Agreed. Great pick. Great pick. All right. Round two. Round two. uh, And we're doing what they call in fantasy sports a snake draft. So the order changes each round uh, to get everybody uh, a top pick. Uh, So round two. Let's start off with Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom, who do you have first in uh, round two? Round two, I'm going to pick. Uh, he he was from New York City, but he technically was from uh, the planet Strazar. I'm picking uh, Von Elmo with my second pick, the legendary musician who was one half of Red Transistor with Rudolph Gray, and then started his career had one album called future language and he's legendarily uh guy who then he vanished for a long time and then came back and then vanished again um so i'm taking von elmo he made one perfect album and then wait what's it what's his name how do you spell it it's v-o-n and then l-m-o wow he had an album called future language in like 81 that was and he was like a big uh and he he was he his whole thing was as if he was from another planet and um a planet called Strazar and uh yeah it was it was something else and then he um 
then he kind of vanished and people speculate why he vanished. If he was on the run from, from the mob and all sorts of stuff. So he, but he, uh, that album has grown and grown in, 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 uh, in terms of, uh, people being reverent for it. And then I saw him in the nineties when he came back at CBGB's and then it was exciting. And then he left again. So, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. Uh, next pick in this round is lady bunny, lady bunny. Who's your next pick? I am going to go with Wendy wild who um, I think she was club 57 and pyramid club, but anyway, she was um, a a hilarious performer. Um, She had, she fronted several bands uh, with members of the flesh tones. And sometimes one was an all girl Mm. band called dust fur lines, which did polka rock and it sounds awful but wendy could make anything entertaining uh, one was called the mad violets one, one was the love delegation and you know these bands would come through and play at wigstock wendy was actually there the night we left the pyramid when it closed and started clowning around on the band shell and came up with the idea of wigstock so of course you know she loved wigs we would go over to her apartment on our day off and you know put on wigs get drunk and scream at people out of the window right around the court i mean she was all about wigs and she also had a an act called joey heather rock which was like a rock version of the character from the flintstones um uh which was kind of based on joey heatherton and so uh david ilku and i would yes. be her backup dancers. Uh, David was one of the dueling bankheads. He's now a bank member heads. of the um, the comedy unitard. troupe. W- the, the unitards, yes. Unitard. Yes. yes. And so uh, we were men back then because I was actually experimenting with other things. So I wore a, a, a goatee and mustache made of tape and bell bottoms. I think no shirt probably stuffed my crotch i did because once we david and i got booked at area and divine came by and she couldn't take her eyes off of my crotch and i was wanting to be like oh girl honey we're sisters don't be looking at that it's not real anyway but uh, (laughs) wendy was such a and so and so in that joey heather rock mode wendy would sing uh songs like season of the witch to you know those uh, all those albums that made um instrumental versions of of lushly orchestrated like loungy uh standards so she would sing rock classics that had like a loungy feel and we were the backup dancers you know light my fire or whatever but you know when by the voice honey you want to talk about music one time i was backstage at the pyramid and i came up to see her band, I believe it was uh, the Mad Violets, which was very psychedelic uh, version of, of her talent. She played a keyboard solo that was like five minutes long. When they finished up, she came off stage and we went down the dressing room. I said, Wendy, I didn't even know you could play keyboards. She mm-hmm. said, I can't. She said, I'm on, I'm on LSD. And she and I was literally uh, seeing two keyboards. And I was like, this bitch is so talented that I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't kidding. I congratulated her on the 
keyboard solo because it was that good. And she didn't even know what the fuck she was doing. Seeing two keyboards. So the amount of time she, <laughs> oh, she passed away years ago uh, from cancer. She was part of the gang that came, that she came, grew up with John Sex. So that was a talented uh, bunch. And we, we all adored Wendy. Oh, that's Amazing. fantastic. Incredible. Incredible. Um, and you're up next. And who is your second pick? Um, well, gosh, I'm so glad Bunny chose Wendy. Wendy, I, you know, this is so hard. There's so many people who really, uh, names just go on and on and on. But I, I think I will, I will uh, pick Richard Hell because he had mm-hmm. such a huge, well, gosh, it should be him. Well, I'll get some other ones. I don't know how far back we go. But he he really had a big influence on me wanting to come to New York. I was such a huge fan of that album, um, The Blank Generation, and really idolized him and the Voidoids. I remember playing that album for somebody in college, just trying to turn them on to this thing that I thought was the most genius stuff, the lyrics, and she got so offended I think this is really sad, a blank generation. What's that mean? And I thought, well, you're not going to be my friend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And and I've read his books and I I just find him a very, um, he was really one of the most original thinkers. I think Malcolm McLaren stole a lot from Richard Hell in order to create the Sex Pistols. I would see Richard around the East Village, and I would literally break out in a sweat. I had such a crush on him. I couldn't look him in the eye. One time I went to vote um, on, I think it was First Avenue. I think the voting machines were at at Theater for for the New City. And he came out of, they were old-fashioned voting machines with the curtains. Uh I remember going into those machines with my mother when she would vote. And he came out of one of them. I went, oh, my God. I was then I went into the I went into the voting machine after Richard Hell had been in there. I thought <laughs> I've made it. I've made it. That's... I could go back to West Virginia. I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. else. When you guys you guys share a Susan Seidelman connection, right? Yeah. Oh yes, uh, and yes, Susan did uh, Smithereens, and Richard mm-hmm. was in that. I think Smithereens to this day is one of the best depictions of the East Village because she sh- shot yeah. it back in. Was it 1979 or 78? And the streets are very, very deserted. And it really captured uh, what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that making Mr. Right captured my heart. Oh, that's And I sweet. think it is a very, very underrated movie. Absolutely. Oh, that's I nice to hear. Adorable in it. I think you are incredibly funny, incredibly sexy. And I love the first scene where you are doing your makeup in the car and people behind you are honking and you act as though they are sexist to do so. (laughs) Well, that was a fun movie to make. It's fun. Susan was fun to work with. And we were down in Miami in 86 when nobody was down there um, except the hardcore folks. And South Beach were all those fantastic deco. hotels were and motels were full of 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 aging jewish retirees 
And then there was quite a drug scene on the beach. That was the two elements there. And then us. The Jews and the booze. (laughs) You had that fabulous scene with Polly Bergen. Oh, yes. I got a good story about her. If you, I've never told if you want to go, let's go. We were having lunch. We were having lunch, you know, in between shooting. And of course those, I really wasn't too hip on how to, uh, the actress routine on how to become real thin. And I was, they were telling me, oh, you know, that the clothes are getting a little tight. You know, the typical actress thing were like, oh, I have, oh, what, what? You mean I have to think about my weight? Oh, (laughs) Jesus. So then I just started having salads. But when I would sit down for finally had lunch, I would just tear into the salad. And Polly Bergen looked at me and I'd never encountered anybody this straightforward. But she said, you eat like a truck driver. (laughs) <laughs> and I just, yeah, that was the look I had was like, uh, what? It's a salad, bitch. But the one, but a good thing about she, uh, Susan Seidelman asked Polly Bergen about working with Jerry Lewis. And boy, did she had some good Jerry Lewis stories to tell you that off camera well Polly's no. Polly died so I guess she can say they weren't yeah. they weren't very flattering let's just put it that way sure oh yeah. really yeah. <laughs> Jerry Lewis was a, there's stories about him being a, a monster it's shocking a isn't it shocking yeah I guess he had chicks in and out of the trailer and uh, he was a real arrogant prick god big surprise Ooh. huh anyway yeah. you, you can edit that yeah. out because it has nothing to do with East Village or edit it in. <laughs> yes. I think we found our cold open. No. <laughs> yes. Uh, with the last pick in round two, uh, Julie, who do you have? Who's your Who's your so second pick? I'm I'm thinking about muscle. I want some. I want someone on my team that is going to be terrifying to squares, to people that are uh, getting in my way that might criticize me or hurt me. Wow. And I'm looking at people that are fearless and uh, and terrifying to the right. To the right, uh, and Lou you know. and Lou Reed isn't enough for them. He's off the. Well, off the problem the, is that's on Tom. He's on Tom's team, Tom's so I need to figure out who's my oh, Lou Reed. who's okay. someone who's going to be intimidating I know, I know, enough. I know who you're getting. I know who this is, Julie. Bernie gets. Bernie, Bernie gets. No, yeah. Bernie gets is not on this list. <laughs> It's not underground because it's the subway. You're looking. Oh, I thought underground subway, and then you wanted some terror. No, you're not. This is no, no, no. So I, I was considering. Look, I need someone with muscle. I need someone who's scary to the right people or the wrong people. I was thinking of Valerie Solanas. Too much of a wild card. I'm sorry. I just don't trust her. Um, I was thinking uh, Flotilla DeBarge. I am a huge fan of hers, and she, as we know, is a is a tough. uh, is a tough gal, especially since she squared off against, that's right, Star Jones, who uh, oh. sued her for wearing a fur coat in that PETA ad. Um, but I am ultimately going to choose uh, no one is tougher, no one has taken more shit, and no one is cooler than Ms. Yoko Ono. She is Ooh. on my team, oh. and I have claimed her the Strong queen. Pick. The the uh, uh, God save the queen, um, and uh, and no one can touch her. She's a she's a true goddess. No, oh. she invented all of it. Yep, she was doing it in sixty one. And and talk about like 
pre-internet trolls. I mean, the, the, the hate she got for being herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's terrible. Unprecedented, unparalleled, yet to be rivaled. And this is before the internet. So mm-hmm. raise a glass. Yes. And that concludes round two of the New York City Fantasy Draft Downtown Edition. Moving into round three, we're going to kick it off with Lady Bunny. Uh, Lady Bunny, who do you have with your third pick? have Connie Girl, who is today known as Connie Fleming. She uh, is a trans performer who did drag at the boy bar. That was her home bar and at the Pyramid Club, but was, you know, well-loved around the scene. In addition to that, uh, she was spotted by Stephen Mizell, who brought her into the fashion world because she's very tall and thin and beautiful. Um, she was also uh, the art, the artwork of the Patricia Field shopping bags by Martine was also based on Connie Girl. Uh, she actually went on to model for Terry McGlair in the 90s in an incredible, I think more than once, but the most memorable one is a totally beaded scarlet red thing with chaps and uh, baseball caps. But, you know, she's an amazing performer and, you know, the, her performance borders on athleticism. A friend of mine, Billy Herb, uh, a.k.a. Billy Beyond, once saw her like across the platform of a subway. And he said she literally somersaulted like across the tracks. And I still am not uh, quite able to process that, but she's also hilarious. Mm-hmm. I would always mm-hmm. beg her to MC at Wigstock because she has this thing where she acts like she hates the audience and is really over it. And she just, she can do it like no one else. She just good, really good at accents. And, um, you know, and, and I just remember that, and, and Anne may be able to back this up. I'm sure she can. There's so much uh, emphasis on inclusion these days. And the funny thing to me is that, darling, I moved to New York to be with all kinds of people, creatures of the night, you know, uh, people on the scene, artists, whatever. You never had to tell us, run, find the trans people, run, find the uh, the, the people of color. They were the stars. Well, I mean, we, yeah. we wanted them because they were not like what I had left in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, you know, sometimes I... I look at all this current, you know, talk of inclusion and I'm like, well, I'm glad you finally caught up. But Connie girl was beloved by all sweet and so, so talented. So, so beautiful. Great pick. Great pick. Uh, and you're up next. Who do you have with your third? Oh pick? my God. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking of other people and, you know, I'm going to go with somebody who, um, I'm on my team, Suzanne Malouk, M-A-L-L-O-U-K. Suzanne uh, wrote a book called Widow Basquiat, and she was uh, Jean-Michel's girlfriend for a while. But Suzanne, I want her on my team because she's she was there. She's been um she was a chanteuse for a while she was uh she worked um i think was with pat field she knows everybody she is brilliantly intelligent she has perspective on the whole scene she knows where the bodies are buried she knows she just knows what's what's what 
And I think that's important to have uh, with somebody uh, Mm -hmm, when you're mm -hmm. dealing with a a really wild bunch of people, a scene that's got a lot of personalities and personality disorders. It's important to have somebody on your team who can identify (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh, and bring everything into perspective. So I want Suzanne on my team. Amazing. Great pick. Great pick. Uh, Julie, you're up next. Who do you have with your third pick? I think these teams are all about balance. And I want someone who is a pure ray of sunshine. I want uh, just good vibes because we're dealing with some some no wave. We're dealing with some people that have you know this fabulous darkness that they draw upon. I want someone that is just you can't look at them without smiling and feeling good and there therefore i am choosing annie sprinkle to be on my team she yeah. is a sex positive artist uh mm-hmm. she you know so ahead of her time when it came to sexuality inclusive feminism and it's just impossible to look at her and not love her and not feel better about uh human beings and she just always makes me smile so annie sprinkle is on my team That's love a it great pick Great pick. Uh, Tom, you're up next. Who do you have with your third pick? I'm going to take Kim Gordon as my third pick. Somebody who just represents you can do all sorts of things and you can't, you define yourself. You don't let the scene define you. And then you end up defining the scene through, uh, through doing what you want to do. And She's just somebody who has always meant a lot and somebody who keeps pushing and doing new things and redefining herself over and over again. And she's somebody who is a constant uh, source of inspiration to me. So I'm going to take Kim Gordon. Awesome. Uh, and that concludes round three. Um, in the interest of time, we're going to make this la- uh, round four the last round of the New York City Fantasy Draft. Oh. Uh, so this is the th- these are your last picks coming up. Your last picks. Um and um, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and we will uh, start with Julie this round. Round four, the final round. Julie, who do you have with your final pick? Ann Magnuson. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. I mean, I mean, what is there? What is there not to love here? Uh, she was in Cabin Boy. She was, <laughs> and, and Bong Water. And Bong Water. Like, I mean, you look at Ann's uh, accomplishments, her... Uh, her her breasts as an artist, her breadths as an artist, mm-hmm. and her breasts. No, yes. Don't look at Anne's breasts. Well, and pl- um, but even though everything have. about her gorgeous, but you still right? can. Well, can you can you blame the man? Um, uh, Anne has blazed her own trail and uh, works in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different things, and is just so inspiring uh, across the board and and as an artist in so many different ways. And, uh, and, and, and I love her and I love her and she's on my team. So fuck all of you. Yay. (laughs) Julie, can I just say what I was going to take Anne with my fourth pick (laughs) and I'm not joking. And I almost went with the third pick because I was worried I was going to get beat out. And I was like, no, I can still slide. But I want to say this as a young, uh, a young boy in New Jersey, when you suddenly, there was a record that showed up double bummer. Uh. Everybody 
It was one of those life-changing records, truly life-changing. And it was a life-changing year. Was that 88? That was the record that redefined so much stuff for so many people I knew because it just was an endless, endless possibilities came out of, out of bong water. And (laughs) because there were suddenly, suddenly I'm figuring out who uh, Rocky Erickson is. And I'm figuring out um, just the porpoise song was enormous. Just the idea that that was just the entry point for so many things for me. Bong water was so important to me in so many ways. So just that alone was uh, a formative band for me. And I was going to pick you because of that. But now I can't. Oh, <laughs> I took her off the board. Well, guess what, Tom? Also- you're up next. You're up next with your final pick. Hold on. I'm Hold sorry. On, I'm sorry, Brett. Julie. I'm sorry, not sorry, done sorry. talking about sorry. Anne. Oh, the God. other thing about you, Anne, is that you're an artist for art's sake in the way that sometimes when you get sort of tripped up and twisted about like, what am I doing this for? And why aren't I more successful? And why is this person doing that? Yeah. You, you just remind me of someone who you know, maybe like in a, in a childlike state would go into her own head or go into her own room and would occupy herself for hours on end, just making stuff and thinking <laughs> about stuff and being in your own imagination and, and having everything be a possibility. And, and to tap into that is something that sometimes we need to remind ourselves to do. And, and you are so, um, you, you lead by example in that way, oh, in the, you're in gonna... the stuff that you make and how you make it. And, and you're, creativity uh, in of itself is so inspiring. You're that really touches me. Thank you. Cause it's, it hasn't been easy, but that's okay because I'm still here. I'm yeah. I'm still here. And before we wrap what with looking back at New York now, what are, what are, I talked about what bong water meant to me and how, what game changing that was for, for me. What are, if you can think of single performances or, or events you saw that you were, where nothing was the same after you uh, witnessed it in New York, what would they, those be for everybody? For Bunny and. Yeah. When I first and- saw Diamanda Galas perform. Yeah. That was like a game changer. Mm-hmm. When I heard Patty Smith's horses, that was a game changer. Um, there was a, there's an actor, not very well known, but definitely an icon of the underground named Jeff Weiss, who did theater that blew my mind. He did a lot at La Mama. He was a one man dynamo. He was an incredible person he ended up was a neighbor of one of the first apartments i lived on 10th 10th street him and his boyfriend carlos i think his name uh jeff weiss he he turned down an obie award he was that good you know and eric bogosian later, later told me that jeff told eric don't turn down the obie that was a mistake i shouldn't have turned down the obie and, and bunny who who would that be for you that that uh changed everything that you witnessed organizing wigstock for about 20 years which just started as an offshoot of the pyramid club and um you know really playing around and thinking we should bring all of this talent out into the open for a bigger audience because the pyramid held like 200 250 unsafely so it had very, <laughs> very uh very uh 
humble beginnings, you know, with like a couple of homeless people dancing around to us performing, a hundred people maybe, maybe 200 by the end of the day of the first year. But as it grew, um, one of my idols, Debbie Harry, came to perform. And Michael Schmidt, who's made costumes for her, Tina Turner, Cher, et cetera, kind of like a rock and roll Bob Mackie, um, had said that she had heard about Wigstock and wanted to come. And, you know, Debbie is totally uh, a downtown girl at heart. So now I could not really believe this is going was going to happen. So when I saw her, uh, you know, uh, come to Wigstock, I mean, she was like a style icon of mine. I adored her music. You know, I was like, she was a megastar. So I could not believe that, you know, she, you know, came there and performed and then came back a few times to perform. And then the the same year we had um, La India, she's now known as, but Masters at Work are a Puerto Rican, um, production team with Louis Vega and Kenny Dope. And they've had some of the most iconic dance hits because throughout this, I I can't stress enough how much music brought us together. And so they came to perform I Can't Get No Sleep, which was one of those songs from the 90s where everyone just you know, whether it was winter, whatever, you threw down your drink, your coat. I don't think the kids experience that these days. You dance and you stay dancing for hours. And so to just see this mix, I mean, I I totally considered them like New Yorican royalty. I mean, not I wasn't the only one. They were, they still are. So just just to, to think that they had dignified our little scene. And I mean, not to mention what Debbie and um India did on stage, which was phenomenal. But just just the fact that we were all there together, it really, you know, bound us together and made us feel um, like our kooky little scene was doing something uh, mm-hmm. because we'd managed to attract these supernovas. That's fantastic. Incredible. That's so exciting. Well, you are a supernova, Lady Bunny. And I remember going to Tompkins Square Park, one of the first times to see Wigstock and I was obsessed with delight and I, I mean you are such a reason as to you know why I moved to New York <laughs> well why I decided to go to NYU and just sort of never leave New York City mm-hmm. I'm glad I may have I, my, my career my career might have been a lot better if I moved to LA oh well <laughs> <laughs> And I just wanted to say too, uh, we, we we work with a lot of uh, contemporary drag artists at Forever Dog at my podcast network, and so I'm in on booking conversations a lot and things like this. And, and Lady Bunny is a name that just is just it has everybody has such respect for and and awe for, and it's a name that just shuts the room up. It's a it's and a mic fear for a and mic fear, drop name, fear yeah. Uh, but it, it's just it's just it's, you're, you're su- such a presence in, in in that world, and everybody has such respect for you. And and it's uh yeah, every time your name comes up, every the room stops, and it's um. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Good so cool to, to have have both of you on this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, in awe of your presence here. Um, and with, uh, on that note, Tom, uh, who do you have uh, hmm. with your uh, final pick? Your final pick. My final pick. Um, I'll take uh, Hilly Crystal with my final pick. <laughs> 
<laughs> sitting all crabby at the front of the door at CBGB's scaring me in that movie as a kid in that movie Tom who did play oh it was um oh I can't remember who that oh my god it was like it was ridiculous who was it why am I everything about it was was ridiculous that movie where suddenly like the Rickman that's right yes Alan Rickman Alan Rickman suddenly that that thing where suddenly it's like oh the police are at CBGB's just (laughs) doing it's like what and they're playing like a hit from the deep in their career and you're just like what this is not accurate but (laughs) there was something about just you'd go see shows at cbgb's and it was just like there was just this scary guy there who i never said one word to but i was just like i think that guy saw all of it so i'm just i'm gonna put him as my final pick great pick great pick uh all right and who do you have with your final pick Ah, um, damn it. Don't overthink it, Anne. First choice, best choice. Okay, well, the first choice I had was Luke Sant. Luke Sante, at least in West Virginia, we say Sante. I think it's Sant. He's a writer. He wrote the book Low Life, which is the definitive history of the Lower East Side, starting from... (laughs) you know, the 1700s, 1600s on. Um, He just knows the deal. He has a great, in his introduction, he had a great description of why he chose to write about the Lower East Side and downtown New York and what it was that drew to him, him to it in the 70s. And he he, uh, lived there and he called it, um, one of the appeals was you live in a cocoon of marginality. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was such a brilliant, it's a brilliant book. And he, he comes with all this knowledge of all the bohemias, all the criminality, all the artistic activity that came before. And uh, I think having somebody with that kind of encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. is important to have on the team because in a way, then you get everybody, everybody who's ever been in downtown New York. Yeah. Yeah. You get them all on your team through him. Well, that's that's great. Great pick. That makes great a lot pick. Of sense. Uh and Lady Bunny, who do you have with your final pick? Well, my team wouldn't be complete without Dean Johnson. Rest in peace. Dean was a drag queen without a wig. He was bald, six foot tall, wore a black cocktail dress and um sometimes pumps, sometimes combat boots, long um dangly earrings and sunglasses and lipstick and very much a guy but in drag and you know dean was a lovable person from the scene i remember he got his he did his first uh wrote his first rap to um the hit dominatrix sleeps tonight instrumental version and just popped up you know as many other pyramid performers did mr fashion myself um etc with just you know just a rhyme or a song over someone else's song but it developed into a full band um they were uh they did put out a couple of albums that, that major label was flirting with them uh the favorite song 
was had a chorus of fuck you you know so it was anything from from you know gent, uh, gentrification to um to politicians to nuclear stuff he actually was was quite political for that time i mean people just you know thought of the fun lyrics another song about a deli boy uh who he lusted after so it was all very you know uh gay i mean i guess you would call that queer before it was called queer and very much in your face and impossible to miss because of his height um i kind of was aware but not really aware that dean had a porn past um as well he's he passed away um a couple years ago and and then I guess he was also an escort and was also into heroin. But I didn't know all of that at the time. And I, I Dean kind of took me under his wing when I moved to the pyramid. And you know, when you get to the pyramid, there, there's a there's a lot of drag queens and there's there was a lot of jealousy. But Dean kind of took me aside as someone who was you know a bit more established and you know kind of just showed me a few pointers even though he you know was probably in between hustling tricks and uh shooting up (laughs) let's Mm -hmm. be honest uh aren't we all yeah the two phases of life yeah yeah but definitely like you know uh, and, and the thing is so the rock element of the pyramid club and the east village drag scene can't really be left out because this is not always cultivated in gay scenes which tend to be more superficial disco dollies who frown on anything as edgy or hardcore as rock and of course because the pyramids background the booking agent brian butterick aka hattie hathaway a drag queen who was in the band three teens kill four um there was always a heavy rock element as there was at, you know, during the first wig stocks as well. And, um, you know, Dean is a perfect example of that. He did a night called Rock and Roll Fag Bar at the World with uh, Michael Schmidt. And, you know, they really haven't you know, brought in the, the other queer rock acts like Jane County, one of the best performers I've ever seen. And um, so Squeezebox, a much later rock club in New York City, Honestly, it's between like, you know, London, New York, L.A., there really weren't many. I mean, I think there was one in Berlin that copied Squeezebox. There haven't been a lot of gay rock scenes. So you really cherish the few that are there. Yeah. Oh, that's <clears throat> yeah, so it's great. it's not just it's not all it's not all cabaret and exactly you know Barbara Barbara Streisand impressions exactly because that's so obvious you know mm-hmm. that concludes uh, our New York City fantasy draft underground edition uh, as the uh, resident millennial on this call I wanted to quickly share my team uh, I drafted the uh, three founding members of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and the Soho H and M was my oh, team uh, so I think you guys uh, I think you guys have me beat well, <laughs> I think so you're I'm gonna, gonna have to be crushed. more specific. Because there's the H and M on uh, on like the uh, the east side of Broadway, which is like kind of more young stuff, and then on the west side of Broadway, which is like more office casual. Mm-hmm. And I was the one I didn't get to. I was gonna pick that really old guy at Katz's Deli, who like <laughs> there's like one guy behind the counter who I think is 
180 years old. Oh, wow. And one of these still days, there. he's just going to be one of those pastramis that hold the <laughs> hangs from the, <laughs> from, the, from the ceiling. He'll be like, that one looks familiar. Yeah. God. We'll retire him and it's pastrami time. I took a foodie friend from Hawaii to Katz's for that pastrami and they are still drooling. It was a year and a half yes. ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fuck your poi. You and your poi. <laughs> oh, this is so much fun this is so this has been such a thrill and we're all honored to have both of you on lady bunny and ann magnuson thank, thank you. you for being a part and of the we show love, we love hearing everything that you guys have to say and we could listen to you we, we i mean there's a world in which we just go through this list and Never hear stop. stories from both of you on all of them and that's sort of its own podcast that you know i'd love to hear one day but there's never going to be enough time to that would be fun. Yeah. I, I saw your list and yeah. I thought, well, maybe Rockets Red Glare to say, come on, did you kill Nancy Spongeon? We know you did. Did you? <laughs> Everyone oh, says it was Rockets. you. Everyone says it was you. I, I always had a good time around Rockets, but, you know, I didn't. Oh, didn't try Shoot to buy heroin. <laughs> didn't. Yeah. That, that was still a, time. That was a real lifesaver. Not shooting heroin. Yeah. I love and let's and, and everyone listening, you know, that we want to leave you with that. Consider not don't be that hip. shooting. <laughs> don't it don't be that hip. It's yeah. Yeah, exactly. You could be cool without, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Brett turned me on to a guy named Huey Lewis, and he has a cool <laughs> song called It's Hip to Be Square. Yes. <laughs> Well, I just read that uh, after everybody being exhausted by the sterility of uh, mid-century modern fakeness, there's a new trend called grand millennial, of kind of grandma stuff. You mean I'm in? Suddenly I'm in. Ah! I know. (laughs) Trandma. (laughs) Catch me on only grands. Better hashtag that, baby. Uh, yes, I don't need hashtags. I've got skin tags. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'd like to use this opportunity to introduce my new character, Lydia Brunch. Oh. And <laughs> she is uh, she is from Great Neck, and uh, she orders sweet and savory. Oh, so. nice. Lady Bunny and Ed Magnuson, do you have anything to plug? Can you share your projects or where people can find you online or things that you're oh. excited about? Uh, about about showing people right now that you're working on? Um, well, I'm doing sewing projects for my psychedelic sewing room label, but they're mostly just stash bags for your edibles or whatever. And I'm, I'm actually very excited about getting an honorary doctorate from West Virginia University. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. So Congratulations. From their College of Arts. So I'm going back there in May, the first time I've been on an airplane in a year and several months. So this is a little scary, but... Uh, I'm excited. And, you know, annmagnuson.com, you can go and read my very outdated bio because I'm too lazy to update it. But there will be new things on the store and all sorts of goodies. So check it out. And Mm -hmm. Lady Bunny? Well, um, I'm DJing at the Monster on Sunday night. And that may turn to they've just reopened. Everyone has to be seated. Uh, That's a club that spends, I spend disco classics on 
Sunday night, 6 to 10. So even though this one's sold out, because it's so, see, they don't want people up dancing, huffing and puffing and spreading the air, which makes sense. Um, and also I'm doing a podcast called Ebony and Irony with um, a drag race winner uh, named Monet Exchange. And uh, we talk about everything from cancel culture to pop culture to politics to you know, anything. This week we have Princess Deandra, another queen from uh, the boy bar pyramid scene uh, who um, we got to comment on the new HBO Max Tina Turner doc because she's impersonated Tina oh. for years and has all the dirt because she's followed it. And uh, oh. and so there were a few, we love the documentary, but there were a few things that, that we, we were puzzled over. Like, why do they keep bringing up the beatings from Ike? She didn't even watch the movie. You know, it's like yeah. she, the poor lady is 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 like retired, and they're still dogging her with this story. Yeah. So that she's let her let her enjoy Swiss chocolate. Let her hang out in Switzerland. Well, her husband's not chocolate, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she enjoys him. I'm sure she enjoys him. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link, uh, listeners. I'll put a link to uh, Ebony and Irony in the show notes as well. Make sure you click on that and uh, subscribe. It's a great podcast, um, and that comes out weekly. Lady Every Bunny. Friday morning. Awesome. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to that and give it a little rating and review while you're over there. Yes. Thank, thank you, you both so much for joining us and okay. we'll see you on Avenue Way. <laughs> what if that's the sign off? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, see you at Ray's Candy Store. What Bye. A treat. Look, I'll, I'll be completely honest. All I could think about was Walter B. Bad that entire time <laughs> was I had to actively work to get back my brain back on course. And all I could picture was I think we hit on such a good idea. Brian Cranston yeah. holding up a guitar like Marty McFly at the end of Back to the mm -hmm. Future. What if this video is like this? If it's John Daly as walter white walter. and something he's like ball, he, we, yeah you get him to shave his head or a bald cap or we get some dead we just put the hat a bald cap in that hat <laughs> and we shoot in the like it kind of in the deserty kind of thing and he's like no no and suddenly he's like <laughs> i'm the, the one. one who rocks so we're so this is what we're recruiting from listeners lyrics but also probably at some point money because we're going to want to shoot this video yes. and we're not going to put up money for it. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. This is a very tough time. Walter if you think bad. that podcasting. <laughs> Hank is on my trail and he's coming fast. Right. Gus <laughs> brings those chicken, but I don't think that's going to last. Yeah. Marie likes purple and that's all. Of the <laughs> and all that she got. <laughs> My son, Walt Jr., now calls himself Flynn. <laughs> My son, Walt Jr., now calls himself Flynn. Whoa, ho. Whoa. Oh, Walter, be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so what, when he goes, whoa, does he goes, does he go, no, Walter, no, no. Yeah. Or is he like? It should be blue meth. Blue meth. Oh, Walter, be bad. 
So do you want take the, it, so is Tuco? It just, he was like, take yeah. it, Tuco. And Tuco's like, <laughs> and Tuco does like the drum solo from like Abbey Road, where it's like, like just like a spotlight on Tuco. Well, then it would transition into that because it's the end of the show. So it's like, blue meth. Blue meth. Walter goes up front. Walter's up front. Then Jesse's like, and then Todd is like, and they're just like, it's Walter. It's Walter, Jesse, and Todd in a guitar battle, and then Tuco on drums. We had Todd on sax. <laughs> oh, that's Todd's on. And sex. then we have we have Skylar and her sister. They're going. Blue and that I don't meth. remember that character's name is not my. That's not my. Prop, that's not my fault. Marie. Yeah. So T- Skylar and Marie are doing the backup singer thing. Like they're they're sharing one mic. Mm-hmm. And then the ghost, and it ends. It's like and in the end, the math you make <laughs> is equal to the math. You take, you bake, <laughs> you bake, <Yeah. laughs> and then it ends like. And then, and then who's gonna do the Her Majesty's? Who's Hank, that? the is ghost that, of that, Hank. Oh, Hank's, is it Hank? I was gonna. Hank's ghost comes down. You don't think it would be fun if it was Mike? Hank. Mm, yeah, maybe it should be. Maybe it should just <laughs> Mike Erman Trout. It'll be Mike Erman Trout comes down. His his ghost comes down. And he's like. Heisenberg's really a pretty, nice he's like, Heisenberg's a pretty a nice guy, but he doesn't yeah. have a lot to bake. <laughs> Spring is a pretty nice guy, but he doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> Gus Spring is a pretty nice guy, but he changes from day to day. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> You know who could do the very last the very last sound is um Salamanca. You just hear like bing. Oh, like, that's, that's perfect. Somebody's like, I'm gonna like someday I'm gonna make a mine. Oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. That would that would be if we were doing a day in the life also, he could just be like ding. Woke up, got out of bed. <laughs> I went to work at the parking lot. Yeah. Made my way downstairs and grabbed my gun. <laughs> and then Kaylee wanted breakfast, so I made her French toast. <laughs> Poor Kaylee. Yeah. Woke up, got out of bed, <laughs> put some rice in in my mouth. <laughs> No, woke up, got out of bed, gave you some rice in, and now you're dead. (laughs) Put my jacket on and zipped it up. And then I met. We produce all of this independent. Never, we never say, we never say breaking bad in any of it. It's just like one of those things you do, like. Like you hire the actors and they're playing like similar to their time. And then Vince Gilligan is just like, 
this is not a part of the show. I just want to say <laughs> they didn't start a band. And the like fans are writing. It's like, hey, like, so in Breaking Bad, did <laughs> did it end with them all starting a band and having an all star jam? This is not a part of like, the shit. Like he's this is not canon. This is yeah. not canon. This is not canon. I just want to say it's not canon. And then just like eventually, it just keeps growing to where he's finally like, fine, it is canon. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the show ended with a rock group. <laughs> The show ended with an all-star super jam. No, it did not end with an all-star super jam. <laughs> Can y'all please stop? It's like, it's like Better Call Saul has this like series finale. He's doing like, it's like the first yeah. time things are opening up and he does mm-hmm. like the TCA. And yeah, it was like, I just, I just have time for one more question from the audience. And like seven hands will go up and he goes, not about the band. And not, then they all put yeah, their hands down. All the hands down. go down. Yeah. Well, that was an amazing episode of Double Threat, huh? Sorry, I'm just trying to think of like how Kristen Ritter's character fits into the, <laughs> the song of Jane. Well, she should have been. Yeah, she should have been. All the what if everybody who died on the show is doing backup vocals? <laughs> They're just doing a line dance behind the band, including all the people that died on that flight. What if they're moshing? Yeah, like oh, a mo- that's all the people who died in the flight in that teddy bear. Yeah, there's like a, like a big mascot dressed up like that pool teddy bear. Yes, exactly. No, I, I uh... so send us your lyrics, but keep in mind we may ignore them. We really we are we are uh, what's that called? Greasing the priming the pump for mm-hmm. your money, which we will ask for shortly, so we can produce this professionally and. Shoot a video in the desert. Yes. Walter B. Bad. John Daly doesn't know he's doing this yet. <laughs> yeah, in a, I, in a way, I think he does. He might He might have sensed some sort of, ch- like, the temperature in the room changed. Like, just some, like, sort of, like, heightened perception. So yeah, there's, a, there's a saxophone-related but bit. He, yeah, but he doesn't know we're doing this. He doesn't know he's doing this. He is doing this. He's doing it. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for, for listening. listening. Rate us and review. Wait, what is this thing on iTunes that you have going on, Brett? We're like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, let inter- me um, let me see if I can read one of those out. Um, so, uh, we, so we want you to review the show on iTunes because that helps us. Yes, and uh, if you need some encouragement, here's a fun little game you can play, which is you can uh, use your review as an attempt as a. Um, your review can double as a passive aggressive burn on me. Um, uh, it's a fun little game to play, um, which somebody did. Uh, I can't tell if this was, it's, it's almost worse if this was unintentional. Um, it definitely was unintentional. No one was looking to get this read on the air. No one was looking for this to be like a new bit that Brett's going to like hold on to. Like he's going to, you know, like he's going to drown in the riptides that are mm-hmm. like passing him by if he does it. <laughs> Well, that's why I said it was a lesson in humility on Twitter, because it truly says more about me than the review. Uh, a lesson I think. in humiliation. Yeah, in humiliation. Yes. Um, but this is a great review uh, from uh, from uh, I, I, I uh, think a frequent best show caller, Stephen in NoHo. Is that right, Tom? Mm-hmm. Stephen he NoHo? was rookie of the year ages ago on the best show. Got it. Well, Stephen NoHo's review uh, goes like this. Uh, the title is more like triple threat. 
And so when I saw that, my, you know, the, 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 the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I said, Ooh, am I the, am I the third, the third person in this, in this, in this trilogy? Uh, and then the, here's the review. If it were a segment with Julie followed by a segment with Tom or vice versa, that'd be a double threat. If it were late night style, like one is the host and one is the sidekick, that'd be a double threat. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's the, who's, here's the triple threat. And then he goes, but this meaning the show, this is Tom, a threat and Julie, a threat working together equally. And that is a third threat unto itself. Sorry, Brett. I don't understand. uh, And I don't understand why you're taking this personally. And I think you're making a big deal out of this. And I think people could be a lot meaner (laughs) if they wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. They could just call you. They could just say, also remember Brett, they can say the meanest thing they've ever thought of to you. Also, there's that version. You could have been on the receiving end of too. Like, I think Brett is the worst person and I wish he would die. They, they very well could have said that at you also. But just give us five stars. Give us five stars. And look, that's true. I also, you know, with that kind of thing, I know like it's just clear from the get go what's going on and where I stand. And at least that this was like I got I kind of had my own expectations and it was a little roller coaster ride. But then when I got to the final paragraph, uh, it, it cut a, it, it just it cut a little uh, deeper than maybe like an outright an outright insult. Um, but I can't, I, you know what? I also can't disagree with this. There is, you know, you guys, there is a, you're magical on your own. And then there is a, a new magic that emerges when you work together. That is a triple threat. So I also can't, you know, he's not, he's not wrong. He's not uh, wrong. He's not wrong, Brett. But if he's, if he's wrong, I don't want to be right. I don't know what that means, but it seems like a good way to end the show. I blacked out for a minute. I was yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> Brett was talking about himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I already plugged the go review us thing. Right. So look, the whole yeah. point is if you want to, if you want a fun game to play over there on Apple, go leave a passive aggressive burn uh, for me uh, or just leave a nice comment about the show. I, either one, you could do whatever you want over there, uh, but people are doing it. Our reviews are going up every week. That number keeps ticking up, getting closer to a thousand. Uh, and let me tell you We're something. We're not at a thousand yet. We're not oh, at a thousand. Disgusting. But, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? What are we up to? I thought someone won the thousandth comment or something. Well, no, we're like in the 900 ish range. So we got a hundred to go. Throw up. Yeah, me too. I'm going to barf. If we don't get a thousand comments, we're not going to do this show anymore. Oh my no. God. All right. Well, there you go, listeners. You got if, your, uh, if we you got your motivation. A, yeah. If we don't get a thousand comments, this show is going to go from double threat to single Brett. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to tune in. <laughs> It's going to be sing. Like, it's going to be welcome to double threat with single Brett. <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw up. So I'm going to jump Goodbye. See you Thanks, next everybody. week. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.